that's the point of, I think, life is you never know what's going to help somebody, some stranger, somebody else out in your life. So um, it's it's really, I, I love seeing people just be in their genius and be awesome at what they do. So much fun. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades. But the question isn't that. The question is, are you going to be part of what makes dentistry great? So I'm beyond excited today to have the opportunity to interview Dino Watt. So Dino, before I set you up, uh, yeah. let me just say thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Okay. So innovation can mean a ton of different things. And I say this, so I'm just going to be quick. We're not talking about clinical innovation. Uh, we're not really primarily talking about technological innovation. We're talking about what is it that gives dental professionals um, that permission to just step up and say, like, why not me? Why can't I be the solution to the problems that are in dentistry? And you see hygienists and dentists that start their own software companies or take the stage and they end up pioneering positive change in dentistry. You, if I'm not mistaken, are not, you have no dental background. Is that correct? You're not a dental professional. I, I went to the dentist often growing up. Uh, I had braces and I go every six months. So there you go. That's, that's my experience. So if it's possible that someone doesn't know, Dino, Dino, you are doing something right now that is incredibly innovative and mm. transformative and transformative mm. in dentistry. Mm. Um, but before we talk about that, how did you get into dentistry? Uh, well, you mean working in dentistry, right? Yes. Yes. I got yes. into dentistry because my mom made me go and I hated it. And <clears throat> I'm seriously, I was a kid that in my home, I had a cavity every, at least one, every time I went to the dentist. So it wasn't a very fun experience for me. So to be in this industry is very, very interesting. I actually was working with a financial planner here in Utah. I was, I had a program called the business of marriage where I helped higher end entrepreneurs in their marriage put the same business principles they would put in their successful business into their marriage. Because oftentimes I'd come across people who just were doing great in their business, but their marriages were not doing well. And so uh, I ended up working with a financial planner here in Utah, helping him in his marriage. And it was super successful. And he came to me and said, Hey, all of my clients, you know, money is the number one source of divorce in our world. And so we always end up arguing, uh, they end up arguing about their marriage in front of me. I don't know how to help them. You do. Why don't I send them to you and you help them in their marriage and then I'll help them with their money the way that I want to. I was like, great. That's a cool setup. So he would send me, uh, the, the majority of his clients were chiropractors, dentists, and orthodontists, mostly chiropractors and dentists. And so he sent me a couple of chiropractors, a couple of dentists, and one day, one of the dentists out of Kansas that I was helping said, hey, this is working really, really good, but I'm married to like eight other work wives in my office. Can you help me communicate with them? Can you help me connect with them? And this is on the back of I'd always been a student of business. I ran a company in Los Angeles for a long time that I helped build up. And so I just had some kind of street smart 
business ideas. And I was a huge student of every business book I could think of. And I went out to his office, just kind of looked at some of the things that he was doing and going, why are you doing that? What's up with that? And I was looking at it from a non-dentistry, non-practitioner side and purely business. And uh, that led to another doctor who was an orthodontist who happened to be a very big KOL in the ortho industry at the time. I didn't know that. Same idea, helped him with his marriage, then came into his office. And he just came to me and said, Dino, no one's doing this in your space, in our space at all. No one's talking like you. No one's, uh, we have consultants who've been around for a long time and seems like everybody's kind of teaching the same thing, but just a different voice. Your voice is completely different and what you're teaching is different. You should come in our industry. And I said what you asked. I, I don't know anything about orthodontics. I don't know anything about dentistry. And he said, it doesn't matter. The principles are the principles. You're teaching principles. Just teach those. People will want it. And he got me on a stage in a study club, then another study club, and then the AAO called asking me to speak there. And it just snowballed. So here we are over a decade later that I I have, I have often tell people the short answer to your question is, well, I made up a job, then I wrote a book about it, and then now I do it. So. Okay, so you kind of alluded to it right at the end there. You said over a decade ago. So specifically, when was this transition from former life, Dino, which mm -hmm. I do want to get into, to all of a yeah. sudden helping dentists with their marriages? Oh, so former life, Dino, into marriages was uh, I left. So I'm born and raised in California. We left uh, California in 2006. And that's when I first started formulating the idea of the business of marriage. And I was doing a lot of real estate at the time and I taught a course and on one of the um, evaluation forms of the course, I said, Hey, I'm also thinking about doing a course on, you know, rehabs and something else and something else. and marriage, which are you interested in? And overwhelmingly people were like marriage, marriage, marriage. So my wife and I started that course. It was about 2007 and eight is when I first started the business of marriage course. And then uh, did that until I still do it a little bit, but transitioned into ortho in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's pretty clear from my perspective that you are an entrepreneur, visionary, okay. serial entrepreneur. Is that something that just you always knew, Hey, this is just the way I'm wired coming out of college or high school, whatever. And I'm just going to chart my own path. Well, I never knew what it was called. I didn't know it was an, I didn't know entrepreneurism was the thing it was called. I just knew sitting in high school, there was no way I was going to sit in a cubicle and work inside of an office. And I thought I was going to be a performer and actor in Hollywood. I grew up in California, I was down in Hollywood all the time. And if I would have had my way, my parents would have let me be a child star actor, right? But that wasn't going to happen. Uh, my stepdad was an entrepreneur. He had a concrete company and we worked with him every summer doing co concrete. My dad was kind of like a part-time entrepreneur. He was a cop his whole life, but always had a side job, always had some sort of, he owned a car wash at one point and did spec home. So I saw that, but I didn't know what it was called. Um, I had, you know, my lawn mowing service when I was a kid. I was so mad because my buddy Josh got the paper route for our area and he was making money like he was making crazy money like 150 dollars a month right and i was like i want that job so 
I, I did where I just didn't know what it was called. Nobody told me that it was called entrepreneurism. And I, I didn't go to college. I went to, well, I went to college, but I got a degree in makeup artistry, whole nother story. And, uh, I, uh, I just knew I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be in control of me, which is super scary over the last 50 years, but, uh, that's all I knew. I just wanted to work for myself. Okay. Don't you also have some sort of, um, expertise in like body language? Yeah. So when we moved here, <clears throat> we, uh, ended up going and, and I took a course on body language with a gentleman and there's this whole story around it, but my wife and I end up joining his company and building his company up. And in a year we went from gross revenue of a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars in a year. And we just helped build that up. And I fell in love with the idea of how to communicate with people in a way where you can ask better questions. And that's what our, our basis of all body languages. So I, I still teach that when I go into offices of how to ask a better question of people, here's some key triggers you can do to ask better questions. So. Okay. So it seems like you, I mean, you are a really gifted communicator. Um, but you also must have had really high emotional intelligence to yeah. feel safe in this educator role to actually mm -hmm. help people with <laughs> like marriages, right? Like, yeah, that's no, right. that's no easy. Hey, by the way, come on in here and yeah. get in the middle of the male female dynamic oh, yeah. and then just <laughs> like, that's crazy. Well, and it, it was something I was really worried about, scared about doing. I've wanted, I wanted to do it for years when I was first married with my wife, we were the, we were the couple that all of our friends would come over and stay up till way too late at night talking about their marriage and them going, how come you don't hate each other? Like, how come you guys are happy? How come? And you know, when my, my parents divorced when I was eight years old and I tell the story from stage often about standing on a sidewalk, watching my father drive away and the feeling of frustration of in my eight year old mind going, I know how to fix your marriage. Like I, dad, I know why mom gets upset. Mom, I know why dad gets upset, but I'm eight. Right. So nobody's going to listen to me. So when I was first married and, and we were doing this, uh, with our friends, I, I specifically remember having a, <clears throat> excuse me, a moment with my wife of, we were at a, a local uh, community center and there was a, a flyer for how to, it was like a boot camp for dads, how to be a great dad. It was in Burbank, California. And I remember seeing it going like, I want to do that for marriage. We'd been married, I want to say five years at that point. And the logical brain came in going, who's going to listen to somebody who's been married five years? Like, okay, you've been married five years. You know how to uh, have a strong marriage. But the, the secret is, is that my wife and I were very thorough about the things we talked about before we got married. We had very this, the, uh, specific conversations. We had very specific processes we put into, into place to help build upon our marriage. Cause I didn't want to end up like my parents, my, both my parents divorced three times in a row. And, you know, I, I just didn't want to do that. And so I was very intentional about it and it kind of came through organically and it is bold. It is something, but I enjoy it so much. I love people. And to your note about the emotional intelligence, I didn't know that was what it was called back then either, but I was that guy in high school who definitely friend zoned way friend zoned, right? With all the girls I liked and even the girls that I didn't like, but I still was friend zoned because I was the relationship guy. People would come to me, 
Hey, this guy tells me if he really, if I really love him, he'll sleep with, you know, I'll sleep with them. And my parents are going to be awakened. What should I do? Do you know? And, oh, this guy, you know, all the stuff. I was that guy. And I got along with everybody. I was really easy to get along with the heavy metal dudes and, and the nerds and the jocks. Cause I was just open to everyone. I just, I just really like people. So. Well, there's a few things that fascinate me about that story. One is that we typically like start off by growing in any, in any area by modeling, right? You start mm -hmm. off by like looking at someone that's a hero and you just model behavior and here you are and you have parents that have been divorced three different times. Like you can't model that if you want to separate yourself from that outcome. Right. So like right off the bat as an eight-year-old, you're already understanding, oh my gosh, like I can't be like my heroes in this way. So I'm almost like on my own. Like, I mean, that must have been difficult for an eight-year-old to process. Like, what do I do when my heroes kind of just disappointed me? Yeah, it, it's, it was very much so, but it also made me immediately think, how do I take this and not become that? Right. I, I, I've always been able to see things of the end result and go, do I want to go towards that or the exact opposite? And I'm a third child, right? I, I'm really the middle. I have two older brothers, a younger sister, and then I have two younger stepbrothers. But they, there's this idea that I, you know, they joke about the third child. I have a, actually have a joke about it in one of my speeches. I, I just had to look at the world a little differently because I had to figure it out. And I just saw it as an example. And there were years for sure where I was very frustrated at my parents and uh, angry at my dad. He he left and basically was like, hey, if you want to see me, let me know. I'm like, I'm eight, right? You're not going to call me. Right? And, and I felt like I was abandoned that way. And it took years for me to understand everybody has their own way of coping with trauma and, and challenges in life. And mine was, all right, I'll figure it out. Like, I'm going to figure it out. I don't want that. I want this. I like being the odd duck too. I'm, I'm totally different than anybody in my family. I don't think half my family knows what I do for a living. It's just, I, I, and, and I like that. I like not having rules and trying stuff and that's for good or ill, right? Because a lot of stuff doesn't work out. Dino, that's crazy because, you know, most people don't think that way. Most people actually don't like the problems that freedom give you. Like, mm. wait, if I actually have the freedom to better my situation today in every sort of way, that's mm. kind of scary because it's super insecure. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me that there's a proven path and that there's bumpers like we're bowling. So I can't go off course and that there's some sort of certainty and outcome. Yeah. And all of a sudden you realize, well, you're never going to pioneer if those conditions don't exist <laughs> for a pioneer <laughs> like yeah. you're always going into uncharted waters now one thing i'm also super curious about um i've noticed that when someone's gifted that when they're still immature with that gifting it's hard for them to almost receive from someone else because most people in their books about marriage they're not communicating to someone that already has understanding so yeah. it's almost like it's like almost frustrating to be like, okay, you're talking as if I'm Homer Simpson, but I'm not. Mm. Um, at what point did you realize like, wow, I have a gift, but if I submit this gift to, you know, more training, whatever, I can be like world-class instead of just like good. Like, did, did you ever go yeah. through that maturing where you're just like, you know what? I are, I'm already good, but I want to be great. Cause I mean, it seems like you're great at what you do. Yeah. You know what? That's a great question. I, I, I don't actually think about this that often, but 
I think the first time I really recognized there was a way to increase, like improve upon what I naturally could do. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't think I really recognized the natural side of it until later on. But now that I look back on it, my, I, I, I lived in Japan when I was uh, from 19 to 21 years old and I uh, lived full time there and loved it there. And I came home and within three weeks I was living in downtown Los Angeles, like skid row Los Angeles. Cause I was going to go be an actor and then this terrible cockroach infested apartment. Uh, it was uh, like, when I say skid row, if anybody who's listening knows Los Angeles, I was on sixth and wall. And back in the eighties, there or nineties. There was a big rampart scandal with the police. I was a block away from all that. It was terrible. Wow. And my stepdad, for some reason had purchased the you know late night infomercial had purchased a Tony Robbins unleashed the power within set of CDs or DVDs or and they weren't DVDs back then they were uh, uh, cassette tapes and he hadn't really done anything with them and he he gave them to me as I was going down there as I was going to live on my own there and I remember listening to the very first one and hearing this guy talk and be like wow I totally get this. And even some things that he was saying that I'm like, yeah, duh. Like it seemed obvious to me. I think that was probably my first foray into it. And then when I got into real estate, for sure, I had a lot more people that I was able to hear from and understand around increasing your emotional intelligence, um, understanding how people work. I'm fascinated by neuroscience. I'm fascinated by how people take, what makes people take influence. And I think that's where it started in realizing how I didn't have normal formal education and this needed to be the education I need to lean into. So that was really it. And I, and I do, I do see how every time it's so funny. I was just listening to this today. I had to take a trip about 40 minutes away from my home and I'm re-listening to a book. And I, I was thinking about it. I was listening to it that every time I listen to a book, I get inspired in so many different ways to improve upon things I'm already doing in my business or for myself. And I think that clicked for me at one point. And so I just kept leaning into it. And by the way, I have dyslexia. I was a terrible reader. I can't spell worth the beans. Like I have a rule when I train that if I spell it on the board, it's correct. Just go with it, right? As long as you can sound it out, just go with it. But I'm an I'm an avid reader now. And that was not the case when I was growing up at all. I hated reading because I was made to feel dumb. I was made, I went into the red reading group, right? So I guess that answers your question that, yeah, that's why I really felt like it was back then. I remember just, Ooh, this connects with me. You know, I tell dental practices and dentists, like the strongest place you can ever be in moving forward is when you find a way to connect like authentically to almost who you are, because as, as an original, that's the strongest differentiation you can own in the marketplace. It creates the biggest moat. Yeah, And I feel like with you, Dino, you've taken the confluence of everything in your life, your skill sets and your strengths. And that's why you're able to bring such crazy value in dentistry. Mm. And I bet it's probably not even like work to you. <laughs> like I imagine when you're there on the stage and you're doing these team transformations, which we're going to get into, like it just kind of flows out of everything that you've come to learn and be, um, 
and that's why you're just so good at it. <laughs> like I, I tell people, it's hard to to work at something if you want to perform all the time and have to fake it. Well, then live out of alignment. But if you find a way to live more aligned to who you are, it's not gonna you're, you're not gonna feel like you're faking it. You know? Yeah, it's so true. I there are. It's funny because with when I go out to offices or I go to do private events, about about six months ago, I did a private eight, eight hour long training for dental monitoring. And I knew what they wanted the object objective to be. It was for their implementers. They wanted me to help them with their sales and how to implement it, how to enroll the team and all this stuff. But I remember the night before I hadn't really written anything out. I don't use PowerPoints for the most part. I don't, uh, Wait, I, eight hour, eight hour training. Yeah. I, 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 nothing like I had. And I, so I pulled out my, I have one of those, um, uh, notebooks, the, the digital notebooks, right. And, and remarkable, remarkable. So yeah, I have one of those. And I remember just in the hotel room going like, okay, let's see. I want to talk about this and this and this. And I, and I have a process that I use anyway for how to train a very specific. I was taught it years ago. So I just started filling in the blanks of, okay, data, okay, exercise, all right, partner share, group share, okay, data, extra, and just went and get there on the next morning, start, eight hours later, I'm doing, I've done with the training, I've, I'm ready, I can do more if you want me to, right? I just love it when I'm just in that moment and flow and just feel what's needed from them, ask them questions, oh, let me help you out with that, let me help with that. My wife had said to me once, one time when I was really stressed about any, any event or something, she just goes, you know, you know, your material, like, why are you stressed out about it? And it was this aha, you know, when people tell you something you already know, but it's news to you is this aha of like, yeah, that's, that's true. I do already know this stuff, which is to, to contrast when I have something like the team transformation experience, that's a six hour event that I, I have to have timed out really, really well because I have breaks I have to put in there. I have a guest speaker. I have specific timing. And so that stresses me out more because I have to be confined to this time and PowerPoints and because it's virtual. So everybody has to see certain slides and stuff. So it's it's a bit of a challenge when I'm confined. You just, I, I've always said, give me 10 minutes prep for a speech. You want it 60 minutes, you want it 90 minutes, give me 10 minutes prep. No worries. I got you. I will entertain the crap out of everybody. I will teach them things. I love it. I love walking on that that tightrope. That uh, that is just amazing. Okay, so looking at your journey, can you identify like a mindset that you either needed to to embrace or a mindset that you needed to shed in order to get to where you're at today? Oh, the shed one's easy. I mean, and I still deal with it a lot. You know, I, I like to make everybody happy. I don't want anybody to be pissed off at me. So that's a big one of like, how can I please everybody, please everybody and be everybody's friend. That's, that's so there. I have, there's a lot of trust issues. One big one I had to get rid of. My wife actually called me out on it once after I gave a speech for dental, uh, dental town about, I don't know, eight years ago, I was asked to do a little Ted talk type thing for dental town. And of course, going into something like dentistry or ortho, I was aware that I'm standing in front of a group of doctors and I barely graduated high school. 
And so there's that feeling of, I'm not good enough to be, why are these guys listening to me? And I would try to mask it with my confidence and things like that. And one, this speech I gave was talking about the suicide rates amongst doctors. Cause that's really why I got in this industry when I found out. So about the suicide rates and stuff like that, my mission is to reverse the direction of divorce addiction and suicide amongst private practice owners and their team members. So that came like that all came from this whole situation. And I'm talking about how we need to do better and we need to talk about it more and be a little more vulnerable. And at one point I said something that wasn't something I planned. And I said something about how, listen, I, you know, you're a bunch of doctors, you're smart people. I know I barely graduated high school and it's, it's hard to listen to somebody like me, but I'm telling you this, that, that, something like that. I don't remember how bad it was, but you, like you downplayed yourself. Yeah, totally. At yep. the end of everything, like I gave this 18 minute speech in the last minute, I say something like that. Oh my gosh. Like I get off and Shannon doesn't, my wife, she doesn't go to a lot of my events, but she was definitely that one. And she was upset about something. You know how you can tell your spouse is just not happy and she's trying to be nice, but cause there's other people around talking and finally a break comes and she just goes, don't you ever do that again on stage? And I was like, what, what did I do? And she's like, <laughs> you totally downplayed you. You downplayed that you aren't good enough to be talking to these people. You're giving them a message they need to hear. No one else is saying it. And she just kind of reamed me and I'm probably remembering it even harsher than it was. But in my head, it was this, you're right. Like, why did I do that? And from then on, I've always just had it in my head of, you know what? People will hear what they need to hear. They'll take it for what it is. I have a, a gift and education that they don't. So I'm having it. And so that mindset of shift of like, you know what? Everybody needs help. Everybody's, everybody's hiding something. Everybody's working on something and scared about something and needs to be more vulnerable about something. And so that was a big mindset shift, uh, that I had to, had to drop in, in our industry. I don't know. So you, yeah. Okay. I was going to say you kind of went over it fast, but please repeat your mission because that yeah. is like profound. Yeah. My mission is to reverse the direction of divorce, addiction, and suicide amongst private practice owners and their team members. And that's, that's what I do every day. Like that's the goal. That's what wakes me up every day. That's where I focus everything. That's why my core values are what they are because that's my mission, my vision for what I do. So, so our listeners imagine for a moment, 20, 30 years ago, um, Dino decided to play it small and he decided mm. to believe the self doubt and everything about how he's, he's not enough or he's really not ready or that's too risky, or there's not enough certainty, or whatever it, it was, you wouldn't be able to have already made the impact you've made mm. just to this point. Forget forget the next decade, Dino. Like mm. I, I'm super excited to see how bright you're going to shine. Mm. But I'm just saying, this is my whole belief: is I'm wanting those people that are still on the sideline, mm -hmm. and they're in their heads, and they're talking themselves out of it because they don't have this clear path ahead of them. Totally. There's not a guarantee they're going to succeed just do it like step out now like tomorrow yep. is too too late just do it today <laughs> like right now just step up and yeah. step out because we need i feel like the confluence and the synergy that comes when like when i meet you and all of a sudden i hear what you're doing dino it just like makes my fire want to burn brighter mm. because i'm energized like oh my gosh i'm inspired and i don't want to have the regret of what i could have done but decided to play it safe. To me, the, the power of regret, I think, is 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 amazing. Um, yep. And 
I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. So thank you for not playing it small. And just like your wife said, like, don't ever play small again, Dina. We need you to make the impact that only you can make. I appreciate that. It, it's one of those things where I don't know if I had the, I mean, I was always do whatever in school. I was in the, in the uh, plays and in the choir. And I was the, I was the only male cheerleader in my high school and stuff. Cause I was always willing to just be like, I want to have fun. Like that's all I, I want to have fun and make an impact on myself and my life and all that. But I, um, every, I have a speech where at one point I have everybody take their cell phones out. And this goes to what you just said a moment ago. Uh, I take their cell phones out and shine it up in the air. And I said, sometimes it's really hard for us to shine our own lights because people can see that light, right? It's like people will be able to point you out and say, oh, you said this or you did that because you put your light up. What you fail to understand is the purpose of the light is twofold. Number one, yes, to shine your light. But number two is you illuminate other people and allow them to step into a light and then maybe they'll do something with it. They'll realize that it's not so bad in the light, right? And so I appreciate that because I think it's a disservice. Anybody listening to this right now, if you have some a dream, a goal, a desire, even I mean, it doesn't have to be huge, whatever it is, I think it's a disservice. I think there's, there's um, it's actually rude. It's just rude not to go for it and do it. And always my company is called actually our ripple effect and are always there's a ripple effect that happens right and you are going to improve affect somebody friday at the well this last friday when i had the team transformation experience one of the things i talk about very very clearly with everybody is i believe you're learning all of this and i'm teaching all of this because within the next two to three weeks someone will come into your life who needs to hear this and you'll be able to say, Hey, you know what? I was at this event and I heard this thing. This might help you out. That's the point of, I think life is you never know what's going to help somebody, some stranger, somebody else out in your life. So um, it's, it's really, I, I love seeing people just be in their genius and be awesome at what they do. So much fun. <laughs> that is so awesome. Like I think of it, like we're all holding a line in advancing dentistry together. And when you look to the right and your left, there's still some vacancies where it's like, we don't know who's supposed to occupy those, but we want them to step up and own their strength because the synergy of what is possible. Yep. Like I, I always tell people this, maybe it's just because I'm also an idea guy with that's entrepreneurial. Mm. Like who knows, you know, if me and you are going to be sitting on a board together in seven years, you know, with eight other people doing something awesome in dentistry, simply because we now know each other, you know, there was some um, parallel, you know, there was some way that we could both add value. And that's only possible because you showed up and stepped up and I stepped up, you know, and for everyone that's afraid of, like, see, Dino, you may never have been this way, but I actually was a cynic for a while. I was like, mm. I was the guy on the sideline that was like, super judgy about like, oh, man, look at the way that that person takes the offering or look at the way that person's speaking, I could do better. And then I thought about it and I'm like, well, but I'm not like, I'm not trying, mm. I'm not stepping up. Yep. And then the second you step up and get in the game, man, you don't, you're not going to throw darts at other people that are giving their best too. all of a sudden there's just like this grace of like, you know what, if you're in the arena and you're giving it your best and you're being good by people and like 
have a code of ethics, mm -hmm. power to you. <laughs> like, yeah, there's there's a saying, somebody said, I'm going to mess it up, but basically like I've never, you'll never hear criticism from somebody who's doing something better or doing doing what they want to do or doing something you know that they care about they're doing something like that like like they usually criticism comes from people who aren't doing what they want to be doing so they got to tear you down it's that whole saying of there's two ways to build the highest building in the city tear all the other buildings down or build the highest building right i have never heard that but that that is exactly what we're talking yeah, about yeah it's funny you mentioned the board thing it's so crazy um uh probably 10 years ago it's probably a little bit more than that i just happened to know a guy who knew a guy who asked me if i would mc his book launch here locally and is this guy rich christensen super nice guy great brilliant business mind and i said sure so i go and i went in and mc i had a, I had a background in emceeing in, in hollywood and so i went to mc it and i uh we just got along so great he was so grateful for it Cut to about six months ago, I get this random email from Rich connecting me with some guy who's on a board or he there he's an auditor for a company looking for a board member. Rick suggested me cut to I'm a part of this board. It's the clinics uh, clinic clinicians report with Dr. Gordon Christensen Christensen. I, I, I don't know who he is. I don't know what this is, but they reach out. I'm on this board now. And I'd say this to people and people are like, wait, you're on that board. I'm like, yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, it's cool. I had no idea that that connection with rich 10 years ago is going to lead me to be on one of the most popular reports, one of the most important nonprofits in the industry. Like, how would I know that? But it's because I just was willing to say yes to something and, Go out there and do it. And because you play the long game where yeah. you don't take shortcuts at the expense of other people. Yeah, yeah. You don't step on people to get ahead. You have this long-term game of, I'm just going to keep providing value, mm. you know, leading with honor. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a slower, but in the end, it's the, it's the only way to do it. So, Dino, I'm curious because it seems like a lot of the entrepreneurial genes um, or traits kind of have come more natural to you. Have you still experienced one of those uh, like dark nights of the soul where <laughs> maybe you didn't want to get out of bed or you weren't sure what was up ahead and you were kind of thinking, man, like if there ever was a time to give up or give in, this would be it. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, truly, you're going to have those for sure, right? It's the roller coaster ride. You know, 2008, 2008, I think it was. You know, we lost almost everything. I I had done some really bad investments. I was doing the business marriage program, and I had cars repossessed. I couldn't pay our mortgage. We were like three or four months behind our mortgage. I had to go and work uh, doing door to door sales, selling house alarms, home alarms. Like with back then, it was called Apex. Now it's called Vivint. Uh, during the summer. In Yuma, Arizona, 120 degree heat. I I was hating every moment of it. And if, if you can't not think poorly of yourself. And I am not exaggerating when I'm saying only three months prior, I was probably four months prior, I was making about 
$30,000 a month passive wow. with these investments. We were in Jamaica with my kids on a vacation when I got the call and it was all part of people who know Bernie Madoff and all that stuff. It was all part of that, that I didn't know. It was like way down the list of things and we got nothing like nothing overnight income stops. It, oh, it's funny. I hadn't thought about that, about the contrast between that and COVID. I'll explain that in a moment, but yeah, for sure. I, I was dark night of the soul for sure. I, I never went so dark. My brother, uh, about this was later on in life, but my brother four years ago took his life. I don't, I never got that far, but it definitely was not a happy moment for me. And the only way I got out of it, the only way, and I was just talking to my daughter about this recently is every door I knocked that was going to reject me or wasn't home or whatever in the hot sun I said to myself, I will tell this story from the stage one day. I will, this is not the end, right? I'm going to, I'm going to make money for my family. I'm going to save our home. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Cause that's what I got to do. But I knew this would be part of the story, not my story. And, um, the funny thing about contrasting that is with COVID when everything shut down and everybody dealt with that, when the government came in and said, all the offices have to shut we were we were having our best year ever business wise we had there, i only take on about 10 to 12 clients a year and it's all high high level and when i heard that i had one client in california at the time uh who called me to say i can't be at our meeting today i got to shut down the office i turned to my wife and i said we've got to pause all of our doctors uh, retainers right now. And that meant literally overnight, we went to zero income, zero. There was no residual. We don't have any money coming anywhere, zero money. And luckily we had saved up enough money. We had good savings over the last two years and we had just sold a house and things like that. But the other thing I said, in contrast to that time where I was losing everything was, I am going to deliver more value than I've ever delivered before for free. I'm going to do more webinars. I'm going to do more conferences. I'm going to do more speeches, all virtual. I ended up writing a book about it. I ended up, you know, doing a whole program around how to sell virtually for doctors to be able to keep their business going. But it was a huge contrast that I really haven't thought about the differences between that, as you said, dark night of the soul where I did not want to get out of bed. I was not happy. The only thing I got me out of bed is I had three kids I had to feed. Like that was it. To solutions provider. To, okay, I'm going to not have any money again, but I'm going to add massive value. And because I made that decision, everything started rolling into place more and more and more and more and more and more for my business. And so it's been, it's really interesting to think about that. I mean, you know, you just said so much there. Even I love that little part where you said in 2008, this is part of the story. Totally. It's not going to be my story. Yep. Like that is so profound. It's all about the narrative we even allow like to be written as we're going through life. Yep. You know, it's like, is this moment, is this challenge, is this darkness going to I just said this on the last last podcast, but who cares? Almost be like one of those moments 
where just like a phoenix getting to rise out of the ashes, it's a defining moment. Yep. It's a moment where just like that coal under pressure, you can become a diamond that now can can shine in a way that you never could have had that resilience had you gone through. And no one says, hey, look, sign me up for the struggles. <laughs> like, yep. I'll go head on into, into the suffering, into the trauma, into the tragedies. But I find it's in those moments that you can actually find like the most gold. All right, I'm going you know, to give you a word that you probably haven't heard before, but it describes exactly, it's actually the scientific word of what you just said. Do you know what the scientific word is for that coal becoming a diamond versus not? No. It's called perturbation. It's the root word is perturb. And we all go through this, right? We go to the gym after not going to the gym three days later, body hurts, don't want to move. Why would I do this? Your brain's saying, stop it. This is going to kill you. Go back to the couch, right? That's perturbation. And so that moment where the coal becomes it either like molecularly, molecularly, it says, I'm either going to push forward and become the diamond or I'm going to pull off that pressure and become sludge. So. Okay. I'm sorry. Like this is blowing my mind away because I feel like there's so many moments, you know, in my own life that I find a way to almost wriggle out of the pressure. Yep. Pretty and amazing. I somehow redefine what the story is to be like, well, that was more of an option. I didn't really need. And yet I think I just need to like stay the course. <laughs> Push forward, lean into it. Right. That's the key is lean into it. It's, so no one gets out alive, right? So we might as well, <laughs> we might as well push forward. Might as well lean into it. It's where the coolest stories are too, though, right? When you think about all your cool stories that you tell, all the stuff you get to build upon, it's always when it was the worst of times and then suddenly it was the best of times. Well, well, the irony is like, you know, I watch movies like Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. or, you know, like Braveheart. And in Lord of the Rings, I'm like, yes, like I would love to be one of the hobbits that has this crazy adventure, but more likely than not, I would have just stayed in the Shire. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. You know, and I would have made up excuses as why. Sure. And, and in Braveheart, I want to be William Wallace, but I find out most of the time I'm Robert the Bruce. <laughs> that, uh, he's an ancestor but, of mine. So, you know, no, but true. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I love hearing the stories because it almost just like makes it okay to live the messy life that, I don't know, like that's what, that's what unites all of us in humanity is that it's messy. It's unpredictable. We, there is no guarantees. And if there was a guarantee, would we want that? Like right. truly, would we actually enjoy that? Well, you said something earlier that I think is so profound about regret, right? And just living your life in regret. And I, I'm, I'm worried definitely about some of the things that I want to do that I haven't gotten around doing it that I will regret not doing, you know, not things like skydiving or something like that, but I have so many things I want to experience and do in life. Even if it doesn't do anything, if it, if it fails, I have a musical I want to write. I have a TV show that I have an amazing idea for and I'll, I'll regret, I mean, I'll be on my de deathbed and regret that I didn't do it, but I'll just regret the experience of it. The things that really matter are the things I don't want to sit back and regret. I, I I will never regret marrying my wife for sure. I'll never regret having my kids. I'll never regret trying out a new crazy dance routine on my speeches, right? I'll never regret. So those type of things are, I'll never regret starting different businesses, no matter if they failed or not. Um, 
it's just I I want to live in a space where it's okay to live to have some regrets, but on the stuff that really matters to just try it. And there's a lot of stuff that I tried that I thought for sure I wanted to do, and then I was doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, that's okay. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy because I've heard people talk about like, hey, until you, you know, put something out into the universe, meaning until you speak a thing or really let people know, no one knows how to help you. And even as you just said the, I would love to have a musical or whatnot, like I'm sure who knows who might be listening to this episode and might be being like, wow, like maybe Dino and I can get together because he offers this side. I have the, this expertise and then, but without saying it, no one knows, like no one knows. So. You just encouraged me to, I don't know, just maybe be more courageous and bold about the visions that I see and the dreams that I want to accomplish. Dino, you are just fascinating. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this one last thing that I want to piggyback on that. There's a book called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. And uh, in in it, he talks about how to create your vivid vision and how to be really, really specific about what you want out of your business and life and stuff like that. But the, the key thing that he talks about to piggyback on what you just said was, he said, once you have your vivid vision laid out and his vivid vision, like is usually three, four or five pages long. It's not just like this statement. He says, you should give it out, print it out and give it to everyone, your delivery man, all of your, your employees, your family members at Christmas time, because the only way it's going to happen and happen faster is if everyone knows about it. Cause they're the ones who are going to deliver it to you. They're the ones who are going to make the connection to this guy, to that guy, to this guy. So yeah, you have to speak it. You have to just tell everybody what it is. You know, somehow, um, I'm like, that got me thinking about something with dentistry and with dentists and I'm like, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it had to do with, um, oh, I think one of the things that also stops dentists is they have this sense of respect maybe, or, or expertise already in, in, the role as a dentist, maybe it's a clinician or maybe it's a leader. And then all of a sudden, if they get this idea about something that's maybe not clinical, maybe it's more on the business side, more entrepreneurial side, it almost feels like, well, yeah, but how, what if people see me try something that I am not good at? Right. Sure. And, and yet everyone has to start in that beginner mindset again, as kind of a newbie that has to, but, but I feel like that's one mindset that holds people back. Like if, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, but I, I already have such respect in my community. People see me as an accomplished professional. Don't let that be the reason why you don't follow the dream of your heart because you're going to miss out on fulfillment later. So yeah, don't, don't let that happen. So Dino, I want you to talk about what it is that you've been doing because I want our listeners yeah. to know about this, this team transformation experience that is so out of the box. Well, even though it's not dentistry, what you just said was exactly what got me into this. Cause it was, I was, you know, I'm coaching and I'm consulting with these offices and I'm speaking on stages and I've had a, had this dream for a very long time to do kind of like a Tony Robbins two day personal empowerment, personal development event with teams. Cause I love working with teams so much. And I feel like it's my calling that to really help, especially team members. I think doctors go to events where you're kind of exposed, maybe a little more to self and personal development and as a business leader and not a lot of time teams are. So I feel like I really get to do that and be that, that catalyst to people that are in the offices to teach them mindset differences and how you can have more in your life. And so I want to do this for a long time, but there's a lot of logistics, right? How do you get 
doctors to get whole teams to come out to Utah for two days. And there's a lot of expense to it. And it obviously as a business owner, it has to make money, right? It has to, can't be doing a charity out of it. So my wife about last September, I think it was, I was telling her about this and man, I just really wish I could. And it's one of those on the list of things Dino wants to do things. And finally she goes, you know, they don't have to come to you at first. You could just start it off as a virtual event. You did write a book about how to put on virtual events. And I went, oh my gosh, that's, that's so smart. Like, what am I sorry? This moment of like your wife being like, uh, Dino, like see this. Yeah. Do do you see that? (laughs) And you're like, what I, what I tease her about is I'm like, uh, you've known about this for years. Why are you just talking about this now? Like what took you so long? (laughs) So of course I got to, all arguments, all arguments are just uh, fighting to be the biggest victim. Right. And any argument, especially with your spouse. And so that's where I'm like, well, you could have done this. Uh, So she says, do this thing. And I went, man, that's a great idea. Well, there's a company here in Utah that I do some work for their real estate company and I do some training for them and they have a really cool setup. They have an awesome stage with, you know, led screens behind it and multi-camera and lighting and all this stuff. So I reached out to them and I said, Hey, if I did this event, could I use your stage? And they're like, absolutely. We love what you do for us. Really appreciate it. Again, building on relationships that I've already kind of given. And so we decided to launch the team transformation experience. I didn't want it to be an event. It's an experience where we create a live interactive digital experience for people and teams where you work together with your team. It's not individual zoom meeting, right? You're together with your team in the office and we give out like maps on how to set up your room so we can see everybody from the camera. We talk about how to uh, go into the event. We send people wow boxes on stuff that they can use in there I don't even have it next to me. I, this one, we gave them little Dino bobbleheads of what would Dino do bobbleheads, right? And we want to make an experience where we have them using their phones to answer questions that we can all see. And it's six hours of, and the first one in January, it's all about getting ready for the year. It's the kickoff, right? Accountability, goals, focus, the 1% difference. And then this the one we just on Friday is the June one. And that's how to grow together unity wise as a team, because, you know, things stress out a little more in the summer when it gets a little busier. Right. And so grow together, unity, communication, connection, collaboration. And uh, we put on a six hour event. Unlike anything else out there, it's the only one that I know of in the world for teams in general, let alone dental and ortho space. And we did the first one in January. We had six, we had 53 teams, 630 people. And then in this one, we had a little less. We had uh, 32 teams and about uh, 400 people. The next one, though, in January, our goal is to get 100 people in there, 100 offices, I should say, in there. And, you know, it's it's $5,000 for your entire team, not per person. I mean, if you look at wow. some of these things where you're going out to ADA, oh, you have to travel. ADA and tra- you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on travel and everything else. And it's something that, you're not quite sure what you're going to get back in return, right? Because you go to New Orleans with your team members and they're going to get drunk and you never know what's going to happen. And I've seen some horror stories. And so here you have a, a very specific area and we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah, we just want to grow it and grow it and grow it. We're, it's, it's so much fun. It's, it's a blast. 
you know, I can't imagine 400, over 400 people virtually yeah. that you are interacting with yeah. for six hours. Yep. I mean, that takes a special person. But again, with everything that you've done, it almost leads to this place where I don't want to say it's a natural, but it's like, who, who better to do it than you? Well, it's the muscle that's been built, right? There's a great book called uh, Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it's actually a line from Steve Martin's book that he wrote his autobiography, where that's where he had to decide as a comedian, he had to be so good they couldn't ignore him because people didn't get his comedy at first. And the point of the book is, and not Steve Martin's, but in uh, Be So Good They Can't Ignore You is, Everything that you have done in your life from when you were a kid, especially when you started in the workplace and stuff, you never know what is going to be the thing that adds on top of the thing that adds on top of the thing that adds on top of the things to build the muscle to get you to this ultimate place. I never in a million years when I was in Hollywood and I was you know, DJing parties and emceeing game shows for corporate events, thought that that skill would help me stand alone on a stage for six hours, but it does, right? I, I know how to entertain people. It does. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And everybody has that. Everybody listening to this has that you've built upon a muscle that built upon a muscle that built upon a muscle. And, and that's what I love. I, I always try to remind listeners, like we're saying certain things, but it's really what they're hearing between what we're saying. Sure. Like they know exactly what just came to mind of like, oh my gosh, that's a muscle that I have, but it's almost like a tool that I've left on the, the shelf. Yeah. Like I haven't incorporated that into, you know, what I'm doing vocationally. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe it's time, you know, maybe dentistry needs that. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's a question over the next decade of your life. If mm. that was a chapter in your book, what would that chapter be called? The next decade is my chapter. The next decade. So so the next decade of my chapter, um, so the chapter is going to be called own your role. It's something that I'm really recognizing is so needed in our industry and in myself right now. And when I talk about own your role, I mean, when people ask you what you do, instead of telling them the title or the process of what you do, talk about the impact you make on them. And my next decade will be about owning the role of a, someone who inspires people, someone who connects with people, someone who transforms multiple people's lives. And then the sub chapter will be, Oh yeah. And I wrote a musical. Uh, and I spent a re an almost from the outside ridiculous amount of time with my wife. Like I, that's the coolest. I thing. love this. I love like one of my favorite things in the world. I do everything I do so I could run errands with my wife whenever I want to. That that's that's my that's so much fun to me. So yeah, you know that is so beautiful. You know. I I talk about with one of my, um, you know, greatest friends in dentistry, Dr. Allison House, that so many people that are achievement driven um, might end up like the worst thing, I guess, would be to end up being at the top of a mountain that you've climbed and realizing no one else is there. Oh, gosh, that sucks. 
right? Oh. Like, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we can't share it with the people that we love. I literally got chilled fact- when you said that. That that sucks. Like that that depresses me to no end. Well, and that's what I love about your mission. It's like your mission is to make sure people stay aligned so that all the sacrifices are making. Dentistry's tough. Dentistry's so tough. Like, you know, I honor every single dentist that Absolutely. stays in the trenches to keep doing what they're doing. But it's even tougher if you're doing it out of alignment with who you are and you don't have your best friend at your left and your right and, and your team isn't, there's not respect there and admiration and, and you know, um, a culture that's life-giving. It's just so much harder. Listen, at the end of the day, like I I've, I used to say this a lot in my marriage courses and this is just true to, to Peggy, piggyback on your top of the mountain thing is, you know, we're all, all of us will get into a place where we're laying in a bed, hopefully like with loved ones around us. And there's really only going to be a certain set of eyes that you're going to care are looking down on you and you're looking into. That's it. Now you can add your kids to that for sure and all that stuff. But number one is this person that I shared my entire life with or shared a majority of my life with. I'm blessed enough. I, I, I know this is a really odd story, but I'm so grateful. I've known my wife since I was five years old. We were backdoor neighbors. We've been married now. This year will be 29 years. We're not perfect. We have some crazy good fights, right? Because I like to be a victim sometimes too, right? And so does she. You're like me. <laughs> you know. But at the end of the day, nothing matters except for the relationship you build and relationships. But I, man, I, I, I don't look forward to it. Like I'm not rushing it. But to be, I visualize laying in that bed, my head on a pillow. I know it's getting to the end and looking up and seeing those amazing green eyes. That's the best. Every time you say that, it hits me. Like, I'm not expecting to get hit by that. Me neither. Like, me neither. There's, there's such a weightiness to it. And I just, I just wasn't expecting that. So, okay. So, Dino, if someone's listening right now yeah. and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about the, the team transformation experience yeah. or how I can, you know, reach out and maybe connect. And, and I know Dino only offers really high value coaching mm. or consulting, but if they're interested in any of those things, where do you want them to go? Yeah, uh, yourteamtransformation.com is the best place to find out about the next uh, event. The one in January is, I believe it's the 18th. It's a Thursday, third Thursday of the month in January. And then just dinowatt.com is my speaking uh, site. And Dino Watt Consulting is my uh, consulting site. And that lets you know more about the own your role process and all that. Okay, so Dino, we have one more question. I don't know if, are you ready for it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so here you are, you're walking down the street, mm. and off in the distance, you see 18-year-old Dino. 18-year-old? And you, 18-year-old. Oh, he's an idiot. And you, right. you, you know you only have one moment to communicate one brief sentiment. What do you share to him? Don't wait. Stop waiting. Don't, don't wait, don't care. Like, don't wait, don't care. Care about the people you care about and that's it, but do not care about what other people are thinking or saying or doing. And this is still what I'd say to 50 year old Dino right now, right? It's, it's going to be repetitive, but don't wait. And I know it almost sounds cliche, but don't wait. I mean, I thought I was doing a lot. I think I still have done a lot in my life, but Oh, I could have done so much more. 
you know that's like the perfect like bow on top of this entire conversation mm. like for any of the one listening that sums it up like just just go like step out now is the perfect time tomorrow's too late and don't care about what other people might think like don't don't wait for that yeah uh you know it has been just an honor um and a privilege and it's been so easy to honor you as an innovator um as you can tell like naturally i've just been incredibly fascinated by the way you think uh the way that you've overcome and i'm so thankful that you have overcome the way that you have just so that you can release the value that you've released in dentistry so wow. thank you so much i'm honored for letting here. me yeah thank you for letting me interview you today my pleasure thank you i appreciate you're you're great at it you're a great interview thank you dino thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode to learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.